And so what we're going to be doing today is explaining each part of the Eucharist as to why we do what we do most every Sunday. Now we know that we use different words and sometimes there's a slightly different order in our Eucharist, but what we do is, is basically the same flow. And the point of having a liturgy at all is to allow us to pray in common. And that doesn't mean boring, everyday kind of stuff. Common means together. And so we, uh, together, focus on the Trinity. In the Anglican liturgy, we actually, everything we do ends with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So um, what we're hoping to do is, I once heard this beautiful analogy of spiritual formation is that when we uh, adopt daily habits of prayer, um, it's kind of like a rock when it's been placed in a fast-moving stream. Over time, that water will smooth the rock out. And that's the point of liturgy. It's to help us stay in the same stream to allow the water to, to shape and mold us. Um, but too often in our world today, things are so hectic and fast-paced that what we end up doing is tossing a rock on the ground and dumping a pitcher of water on it every now and then. And that might get us wet, but it does not get us formed and shaped into the image of God. So one of the gifts of the liturgy is to allow this consistent formation um, every week. So let's take a moment and ask God to uh, bless this time. Let us pray. O God, your Son Jesus Christ has left to us the meal of bread and wine in which we share in his body and blood. Help us now by your Holy Spirit so to grasp the meaning and purpose of this sacrament that we may deepen our feeding upon him in our hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. So our hope today is that this instructed Eucharist will deepen our understanding and our appreciation for what we do in the liturgy week after week. We are the family of God gathering for a meal, and through this meal we proclaim the love of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Through the words spoken and the actions performed, we retell the story of God's love, of how he rescued us from sin and death. This is the story that defines us as the beloved children of God. It tells what has happened, and it directs how we are to engage in this world with the love of Christ that fills us. So as we go through our service today, we'll pause to consider the different sections of the liturgy. We will explore the meaning behind what we do, and we will engage more fully with the living Jesus who makes himself known to us through it. So here is the helpful, it is helpful to remember that the story from Luke, when Jesus broke the bread with the two disciples, he met on the road to Emmaus, the first evening after his resurrection. Luke describes the scene. When he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Luke 24:30. We use the term Holy Eucharist to describe what we do when we gather for worship. We also use other terms. Eucharist means thanksgiving. We also use other terms to describe the service, like Holy Communion and the Lord's Supper. So Eucharist is thanksgiving. Uh, Supper is having the family of God gathered around the table. And communion is oneness with Jesus. So the Lord's Supper emphasizes that we are gathered here to have a feast with Jesus. So let's, let's tuck in. <laughs> Our opening hymn this morning is, We Have Come Into His House. I invite you to stand with, together.
This service is divided into two clear parts, the proclamation of the word and the celebration of the Eucharist. They each involve a different method of God communicating with us. We are people with minds and bodies. In the proclamation of the word, God speaks to us through words. In the celebration of the Eucharist, God speaks to us through actions. The origin of God's communication is Jesus, the living word of God. He has mediated to us through his written word, the Bible. This written word is then explained through the sermon and enacted through the sacrament. In the catechism, we are taught that a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Through the sacrifice of the Eucharist, we consume bread and wine while receiving Jesus himself in a real way. In the gathering, in the first half of the service, the word is proclaimed through the reading of Scripture, which is then explained through the sermon. Prior to this, there is a section we call the gathering. Often printed in the bulletin or in the screen, there is a sentence of Scripture which relates to the theme of the day and calls us to worship. Following this, there is a colic for purity. This is a prayer where we acknowledge that God knows us intimately. We ask him to prepare our hearts to worship God in a pleasing way. We then hear Christ's summary of the law or the full Ten Commandments in Lent or Advent, which reminds us why we need this service. We have all fallen short of God's will for us, and so we need healing. So we ask for God's forgiveness, renewal, and strength to continue the walk of faith. The final part of the the gathering is the colic of the day. This is the prayer of the week, which collects together the theme of the day or season to be described in the readings which follow. And together we'll say the product, the colic for purity on the screen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from new secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And then we have the summary of the law. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, Hear, O Israel, our God is the only Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Amen. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray the colic of the day. Lord God, our Redeemer, who heard the cry of your people and sent your servant Moses to lead them out of slavery, free us from the tyranny of sin and death, and by the leading of your Spirit, bring us to our promised land through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. During the proclamation of the word, we read four passages from the Bible. The first reading is from the Old Testament. And this could be a reading from the law or the writings, historical writings or wisdom literature or from the prophets. The second reading is from the book of Psalms. The Psalms are a collection of poems that formed Jesus' prayer book. 
We typically say this together or responsibly at St. John's as a response to the first reading. The third reading is from the epistles. These are letters from ancient church leaders to particular people or churches. The final reading is from the gospel or the good news reading. These are stories about Jesus. And because Jesus is the focus here, we show reverence to this reading by preparing for the hearing of it. We do this by standing and often singing a song of praise beforehand and using responses before and after the reading. In some churches, they even process the gospel into the middle of the congregation to symbolize how Jesus came from heaven to earth to be in our midst. So we'll now have the proclamation of the word. The Old Testament reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8 and 16 to 18. Well, I guess I'll have to leave it on the screen. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait now. Wait now. I oh, have it. I have it. I just got it in the wrong sequence. Sorry about that. I do know the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. It's Joel 2, 23 to 32. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains. Because he is faithful, he sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts. The other locusts are the locust swarm my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, Your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. Now, the Psalm 65, we'll say it together. I've got to back up here, Bloom, so I can see it. To you, your vows will be fulfilled. You,
ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Now I get to say Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter 4, 6 to 8, and 16 to 18. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So our offertory, or sorry, our gradual hymn is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I invite you to stand.
Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. To some who are confident of their own righteousness um, and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the gospel of the Lord. The Lord, please speak in ways that we can hear you, and uh, we ask that you would draw us ever closer to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So, good news and bad news. Um, I'm not preaching long today because we're having an instructed Eucharist. You're welcome. (laughs) But I still need to say something because this passage is really important to us in our culture today, okay? Um, I have a a little confession to make. I I watch a show called Hell's Kitchen. Does anybody watch that? All right, Corbin, right. So don't watch it. It's addictive. Uh, And there's a lot of swearing. But it's a a competition with with these chefs. And there's a, there's a world-famous, world-renowned chef named Gordon Ramsay, and he's got these, these, like, 16 chefs at the beginning of the season just all working really hard. And these chefs have egos so big it's surprising they can, can walk through a door, okay? And what happens is that they often fail to meet his standards. And sometimes they do really dangerous and stupid things like serving raw chicken. That could kill you, Right? Here's the concerning part. Not that they try to kill people with raw chicken. It's their attitude about it. Because when they are fired off the show, when, they, when they're voted off or whatever, they'll, still, they'll stand there in front of the camera and they'll say something like, that Gordon Ramsay doesn't know what he's talking about. I know I'm the best chef here. Even if they've served raw chicken. There's a problem with that. And it's the gospel of self. Everything I do, it's all about me becoming the kind of person that everybody wants to be. The problem with that is our focus on self. It is incompatible with the gospel. So if we look at this story today that Jesus told, he was was basically warning people about self-righteousness and thinking that they're all that. And the story he told, if we wanted to understand it in today's words for us, we'd say there was a cradle Anglican that walked into church one day. Man, they knew their prayer book. <laughs> and they prayed every day at the offices and they did communion. They were, they were moral, upright people. They're the, the good guys, right? But right after them came another person, a drug dealer, local drug dealer. They came in. And people looked at that person and they would think, what, what nerve of that person to walk into a holy place. But Jesus, in this instance and in most instances, he turns everything on its head. And it's the, the cradle Anglican who actually has a problem when it comes to their relationship with God. And that's when they come into the space of worship, they're not praising God. They're praising themselves. I'm so great. I am God's gift. 
when that drug dealer came into the space, he didn't do that. He sat in the back row, like most folks here. <laughs> and he couldn't, like when, when ancient Jews used to worship, they'd lift their hands up and their faces up and they would worship God. He couldn't even look up to heaven. In shame, his, his eyes were downcast. And he beat his, his chest as a sign of remorse and said, I am a mess and I need help. That was his worship. When we come in all self-sufficient and focused on ourselves, that's all we'll get. But when we come in this place and we know our need, that's where God can meet us. And there's one final thing I need to say here, is that if you've been around the city this week and you've seen carts around or you've seen people that are obviously in duress or they're, they're causing harm to themselves or to others, and if you're like me and sometimes think, man, they need to get it together. I want you to, with me, start asking a question when you see that, okay? Would Jesus wash that person's feet? And if the answer is yes, and it is, the next question is, how can I? Because it's not enough for us to be just focused on God. We need to have the heart of God and be caring for our neighbor. And that includes the people that we're seeing in a lot of trouble around us right now. All right? Totally long enough, given today's instructed Eucharist. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, give us a heart of worship that comes from your Holy Spirit. Change our hearts, renew us, and use us to be the blessing you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I forget what's next, Harold. <laughs> Nicene Creed. It's you. The Nicene Creed. Let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, Eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Would you please be seated? Uh, so that was the Nicene Creed. That's our confession of faith, which is a summary of our biblical faith. And it's something that connects us not only with churches throughout the ages, but around the world. It's a belief we hold in common 
That's our first response, faith to the proclamation of the word. Our second response is to do the work of prayer. In his letter to St. Timothy, Paul instructed that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So the intercessions are part of our work as the people of God, his royal priesthood. When I was a kid, we would have morning prayer twice a month. And uh, during morning prayer, we would have intercessions that would last about 20 to 30 minutes. Like, it was serious stuff. Is it going to be that long today, Harold? No. Not today. Okay. But we are all called to be God's priests. We are intercessors for the world. And uh, so we are going to pray for the world, our parish, and our individual needs, and to give thanks for those who have gone before us. Intercession is especially important when we gather together because we get to join together in prayer. Typically, our intercessions involve a bidding for prayer, like Carol's going to say some things to pray for, and then he's going to invite a response, such as, Lord, hear our prayer. And as the prayers are being said, I invite you to make them your own. In intercession, we are asking God to extend his kingly rule beyond the confines of our church into our lives, into our families, and into the communities around us. Harold. And my intercessions sometimes are repetitive because they're always on my mind. And the response will be to Lord in your mercy will be hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray for all those in New Brunswick who are dealing with food insecurity, which is recently reported at 19%. We pray that our governments deal successfully with inflation so that all may live in peace and with freedom from food insecurity. Lord, in your mercy. And this time, like I did before, I would remind you that we have a donation uh, wagon under the coat rack for the food bank. And it has been recently emptied and delivered to the Greener Village Food Bank. And grocery shopping, if possible, buy a non-perishable item for this or that for the food bank. Lord, we pray for the Ukrainians and the Russians that are dying daily in Putin's war of aggression. We pray that we pray that Mr. Putin will soon realize what he's doing is futile. Give him the understanding that he cannot succeed and fill his heart with mercy for his soldiers and the Ukrainian civilians. We pray for peace in all the world, troubles in so many areas that we can't possibly comprehend the magnitude of all the suffering. We ask that you lead all those now suffering to a place of peace and joy. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we pray for our own for our own armed forces and diplomats who are deployed around the world, especially for our two ships and those 90 sailors that are currently in the Baltic Sea. We pray for fair winds and following seas. Keep them in safety and deliver them safely home at the end of the deployment. We also pray for all the soldiers and Air Force personnel who are stationed in harm's way throughout the world. We beg you to keep them safe. Lord, in your mercy. And in keeping with what Paul had mentioned, we pray for Marcel Lebrun as he expands his tiny home village for homeless people. We were up and looked at it the other day. It's really great. 
We pray that it may continue to provide shelter and comfort to those who require a safe place to live off the streets. Lord, in your mercy. So much paper. Lord, we ask your blessing and help for those in our current parish prayer list and also those who are known to you alone. Joe and Linda Wood, Jack and Fran Demons, Jackie Meekle, Paul Robinson, Betsy and Jim O'Donnell, Christelle Eunuch, Sheila Hansen, Llewellyn Brewer, John and Susan Baldwin, Loretta Doak, Jackie Spencer, Dawn and Irene Adams, Graham Standen, Mary Lee McKenna, Eloise Harding, Trevor Price, Philip Payne, Dylan Barton, Roby Titus, Jeannie Donnell, Galen Price, Carol Gorley, Clark and Pat Wilcox, Leona O'Donnell, Isaac Frame, Donna and Arnold Bartley, Betty Clowater, Natalie Carr, Dick Burgess, Caroline Scott, Natalie, Miriam Lasky, Betty Ann McDorman. And you can add others. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we pray for the Anglican Church of Canada in the province de Eglise Anglicana du Congo, the most reverend Georges, Archbishop. Archbishop Linda Nichols, Anglican Church of Canada, Bishop Ordinary to the Canadian Armed Forces, Nigel Shaw, and all military chaplains. The Diocese of Ho, Bishop Matthias. The Diocese of Yukon, Bishop Leslie Wheeler-Dame. St. Saviors, Tagish, and Johnson's Crossing. Archbishop David, retired Bishops Claude and William and their families. National House of Bishops meeting this week, and our priest, Paul. And for our missionaries at home and abroad, Kara and Nelson Mejia in Roatan, Honduras, Paul Jeffries in Uganda, Terence and Jasmine Chandra in St. John, and the ministers of Outflow. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we present these prayers and petitions to you in the name of your blessed Son, our Redeemer. Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So our response included a declaration of faith and the prayers. Our third response is to offer back to God a portion of what we have received. In the days of the Old Testament, God's people were told that a tenth of what they made went back to God, and it was meant to furnish the temple and life of worship. Today we recognize that all we possess is the Lord's, and we are to offer our very lives as a living sacrifice in his service. So at this time, we offer our tithes, and we rededicate our lives to God's service. We also present bread and wine at this time as we prepare the table for communion. And so we anticipate that as we respond in faith, there God will meet us. Our offertory hymn is Love Divine. I invite you to stand.
We pray together. God of constant love, you have guided your people in all times and ages. May we who offer you our praise today always be ready to follow where you lead. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Would you please be seated? Our fourth response to the word focuses on our need for God to heal and restore our relationship with him. This is done in the confession of sin. At this time, we acknowledge that our waywardness has harmed us and others through our actions and inactions. This response starts with an encouragement, an invitation to receive communion in a right manner. A person ought to examine oneself before eating of the eating of the bread and drinking of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on oneself. This is from 1 Corinthians 11, 28 to 29. We are encouraged not only to turn away from brokenness so that we can enjoy a restored relationship with God, but to also be in love and charity with our neighbors. As St. John wrote, how can we say we love God whom we have not seen if we do not love our neighbor whom we do see? Sin wounds us. It robs us of what we are created for, intimacy with God. Without this intimacy, we start living rough always longing for that which will truly satisfy. So because we all sin, we all need the healing of God's forgiveness. To be healed from our sin, we first need to acknowledge that we have fallen short of God's will for us. It is near impossible to help someone when they will not recognize their own need for help. When we confess our sin, we're basically saying, God, help. Confession is not a means to escape punishment or to get off the hook but it is acknowledging that we are in a mess, we're not living our best life, and that we need God's help. Once we acknowledge that we're going the wrong way, the next step for us is to turn around. This is called repentance. So through our confession and repentance, we receive God's grace to live freely and to serve and please God in newness of life. The absolution and comfortable words which follow the confession and repentance Both have the same purpose. They each proclaim God's sure promise to forgive us if we repent and turn to him in faith. The absolution is a declaration that the conditions for forgiveness were met. As such, we confess that our sins have been nailed to the cross. The comfortable words follow the absolution. These are verses of scripture that remind us of the firm ground on which our faith is built. In Jesus, we can be assured that we have been forgiven brought into healthy relationship with God again. The peace. Having been assured of our peace with God, we, are now, we now share that peace with our neighbors. Here we respond to Jesus' command first to be reconciled with one another before coming to our gift at the altar. We need to be at peace in our horizontal relationship as well as a vertical, and we cannot break bread together if relationships are fractured. It is not a time to give a friendly hello nor to greet absolutely everyone. It is a time of deepest meaning where we express our desire for others to have the peace of Christ in their hearts and to be at peace with the rest of the church. If there is someone you can, you just cannot share the peace with, whether by a handshake or a friendly nod, then you need to ask yourself whether you can take communion until you can offer reconciliation. 
Your offer may not be accepted, but if you have offered it in good faith and not kept unforgiveness in your own heart, then you are free to proceed to the communion with God. And then we have the invitation to confession. You who truly and earnestly repent you of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking from this day forward in his holy ways, draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort and make your humble confession to Almighty God. And we'll say this together. Almighty Almighty God, God, our Heavenly Father, Father, we we have have sinned sinned against against you through our own fault in thought and word and deed and in in what we have have left undone. We are heartily sore and repent of all our sins. For your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who with heartfelt repentance and true faith turn to him, have mercy on us. Pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness. And bring us to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. We share with one another a sign of Christ's peace. Now have the comfortable words. Hear the words of comfort our Savior Christ says to all who truly turn to him. Come Come to me, all all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Hear what St. Paul says. This saying is true and worthy of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Hear what St. John says. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. We're now ready to move into the greater prayer of thanksgiving and consecration. At its simplest, this is a grace before a meal. Just as in a regular family at a principal at a meal, one of the pastoral, sorry, just as in a regular family, At a principal meal, one of the pastoral leaders speaks on behalf of the assembled body of believers, giving thanks to God for his greatest gift, his own son, and his death for our sins. We begin, as did formal Jewish meals, with an introductory dialogue, the salutation, which is the Lord be with you, and the exhortation to lift up your hearts. This is a great and joyous occasion. We're coming into the near presence of the King of Kings. We do not approach God with sullen, downcast faces, but look up with joyful expectation. The celebration continues with what is called the preface, which is the reason why it's proper to give thanks. So we we recount the story, and, and then we respond with the angels and archangels around the throne of God and sing the chorus that the seraphim seen in Isaiah in his great vision of God in the temple did. It's from Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy. This is called the Sanctus. We also sing what God, what the crowd sang as Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
The God adored in the heavenlies is the same God who entered our world in Jesus Christ, and it is for this that we now give thanks. So in the second section of the Thanksgiving, we focus on the heart of God's gift of himself and Jesus in his death for us upon the cross. This is indeed the significance of the bread and the wine, his body broken and his blood shed in death. He is the true lamb of God prefigured in the Passover lamb, and we read about in Exodus. Who in this, he has delivered us, not from physical slavery in Egypt, but from spiritual bondage to sin and death. So we affirm that Jesus in his death has paid for our sins completely. In this prayer, as we hear the words, this is my body and this is my blood, I invite you to focus on the table and what is happening there. Because it is there, as we see the bread broken, that we receive a fresh appreciation of the cost of our forgiveness, a fresh assurance of the fact that our forgiveness and a fresh anticipation of, the, of, God's, of Jesus' return. So I invite you to stand. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right. It is our duty and our joy at all times and in all places to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in your tender mercy gave your only Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, and who made thereby as one oblation of himself once offered a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. He instituted and in the Holy Gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of his precious death until he comes again. Hear us, merciful Father, we humbly pray and grant that we receiving these gifts of your creation, this bread and this wine, according to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ's holy institution, in remembrance of his death and passion, may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood who in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread, and he gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the bread is now broken and made ready for distribution, but there's one final prayer uh, before we share in the communion, and that's the prayer of humble access. This is where we remember our need for God Um, and the way he comes to us in our need. Just as Isaiah cried out, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. After he had seen God's glory, so do we. We are reminded that it is not by our own righteousness or self-effort that we come to the Lord's table, but because of his free mercy given to us. 
As Paul says in Ephesians, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. So let us pray together. Most merciful Lord, your love compels us to come in. Our hands were unclean, our hearts were unprepared. We were not fit even to eat the crumbs from under your table. But you, Lord, are the God of our salvation, and share your bread with sinners. So cleanse and feed us with the precious body and blood of your Son, that he may live in us and we in him. The whole company of Christ may sit and eat in your kingdom. Amen. So we've now come to the climax of the service, where we take bread and the wine. It is this very moment that we come expecting to receive, to be filled afresh with the presence of Jesus, and to benefit anew from his death for us. So expect to be renewed and strengthened and cleansed. Expect to be encouraged um, and by Jesus to begin again. Expect to be made strong to love and to work. Expect to meet Jesus and to be fed by him. All right. So come and receive from the Lord's table.
Uh, following the communion, we say the Lord's Prayer. We just broke bread at the Lord's table as the family of God. Now we pray the family prayer, asking Father for provision, continued love in our weakness, and protection as we seek to carry out his will in this troubled world. Let us pray with confidence as our Savior has taught us. Our Father Father in heaven, heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And now we say the prayer after communion. And we'll say this together. It's on the screen. And I have a preamble. (laughs) The closing section of the service is very straightforward. We have gathered. We have been ministered to by the word. We have responded in faith in the creed and the prayer. And we have received. Now we dedicate ourselves to God's service. First, though, we note the great theme of assurance. Wasn't me. I didn't do it. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes we do not feel very holy or that we have encountered Jesus in a meaningful way in the Eucharist. The prayer after communion reminds us that we depend upon God's promises for our well-being, not our feelings. We affirm that we have been fed on Jesus himself, that God is for us, not against us, that we are a valued part of this body of the church, and that we possess eternal life. And now we'll say this prayer together. God, our guide, you have fed us with the bread from heaven as you fed the people of Israel. May we who have immorally nourished be ready to follow you all our days. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and be shared through you this day and forevermore. Amen. I'm pretty sure that was a power surge. Um, Not the kind we wanted but a different kind. Anyway, before we, um, before we sing our concluding hymn, we do have a few announcements. Um, and so uh, Heather's going to come up here in a second. I don't know where Heather is. There she is. But while she's coming up, um, you'll see that in the announcements insert, there is a, uh, a fundraiser service for uh, Naomi and Ruth, which is a, a house for people, for women who are recovering from addiction and from living rough and that kind of thing. Um, that is going to be a powerful night, but the date is wrong. So it's actually November the 25th, not the 5th. And uh, so if you would please uh, mark that in your calendars, there's going to be a time for worship and testimony to hear about this important worship. We're also going to prayerfully consider, and I think we should do it, but let's prayerfully consider it, making this part of our Advent conspiracy um, so that if you've got someone on your... On your um, Christmas list that's impossible to buy for, get a card that says, I, I submitted money in your name, um, and this is what, what it's in support of. And I think that'd be a wonderful Christmas present to a lot of us. So, Heather.
Thank you. <laughs> First of all, I would like to thank everyone who came out this weekend. Uh, we had a great time. There wasn't a whole lot of us, but we enjoyed ourselves. And, uh, we made out Yes, we did. <laughs> that was fun, too. And that was the good part. Uh, this part that I'm really here for today, I have been a very fortunate person. I have never really been extremely hungry. I have never been on the street. I have never had my stomach growl because I have had no food. Have I been short of money to buy food for my family? Yes. Have I fed my kids on a little less than what I would have wanted to feed them? Yes. And that's why I'm here. Paul and I got together this Sunday, or Saturday rather, this is Sunday, uh, this Saturday, and when we put our heads together, usually bad things happen, but this time it's good things. <laughs> Him and his little elves are going to clean out two cupboards out in the hall, and we have decided that we are going to open a pantry for people who need a hand up, hand out, whatever. Uh, we don't care if they have nothing. We don't care if they need enough to pass, help them through to payday. Whatever they need, we want to be able to help. Uh, I have been very adamant in thinking about this the last couple, several weeks. And it's been on my mind, so I feel that uh, to me it's rather a calling. Because when something bothers me and keeps with me, I've learned to accept it and go with the flow. So this is sort of maybe a fond wish of mine. I will talk to Josh, and every week we will try to have a few things put in the bulletin that will be on special and hopefully to keep our, our cupboards stocked. Right now, what I would like to mention is that uh, at Giant Tiger, there are the large boxes of cereal about this size for $2.99 each. Uh, if you can afford one to bring in, fine. If you can afford seven or eight, that's even better. Uh, Walmart has soup on, 67 cents a can, I think it is. If you can afford two cans, that's great. If you can afford 22 cans, that's even better. But I want to see, I've set a goal for this in two weeks. I want the sign to go out. And I want them cupboards full in two weeks. So with God's help and your help, we'll see it happen. Uh, all our whole service, as far as I'm concerned, has uh, touched on feeding, you know, food, providing. And I think all of us in this room, I don't know your, your life, I don't know how you, uh, your pocketbooks are, I don't know and I don't care. But I think all of us can afford a couple things to bring in to feed that fellow like Hubbard. And that's what I'm looking for. Thank you very much. And please help me out. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much, Heather. I think this is a very exciting thing. Um, I also think that there's a way to partner with the Community Food Smart Program so that once a month we can get fresh produce to, you know, seven families if, without much expense. I think that we can do that um, and do it, do it fairly easily. So we're going to look at that as well. 
Uh, our diocesan synod is coming up in November. If you don't know what that is, it's when representatives from all the Anglican churches in New Brunswick gather together to discern. And the bishop is asking all of us to be discerning together. So in your bulletin, you're going to see uh, uh, in the insert, one of the things is, what is Lectio Divina? One of the things the bishop has been asking us to do for the past several months is take time to be still and to discern and to ask God, what is it you are calling me to do? Uh, Lectio Divina is a way of praying with Scripture. And there's also on the back table, there's the readings that he's asked us to pray with at least three times between now and Synod. Um, it's John 21, verses 1 to 14. It's one of the resurrection stories. It's one of my favorite stories where Jesus is on the beach with the coals of fire and he's cooking fish. And I think, man, if God would ever heal me of that allergy, I'd like to do that. <laughs> uh, but take some time, please. Uh, grab one of those resources and pray. Pray for wisdom for the delegates um, and pray that uh, we as a synod would actually come to consensus of where God is calling us to be uh, and, and to follow in faith and obedience. Okay? So grab one of those resources off the back. And I think that's all of the... I would like to thank everyone who came out for the, the pies. That was great. I didn't have to do crimping, so that was great. And I think that's it. Any, am I missing any announcements, Barry? Thank you. Thank you, Barb. Yes, Isabel, Isabel Martin passed away uh, this week, and so her funeral will be on Thursday here at 2 o'clock, and her visitation will be on Wednesday from 2 to 4. That will also be here. So please be keeping Isabel's daughters in prayer and their, and their grandkids. And, uh, and so we, uh, we do thank God for her life. She and, she and Lloyd together had a beautiful, quiet but deep faith, and um, they were examples to me. Uh, and, uh, and, and so we, uh, we thank God that she didn't suffer long. She passed quite peacefully and quickly. So please be keeping them in prayer. All right. Thank you, Barb. Right. Anything else? All right. I invite you to stand for our concluding hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
So you thought the teaching was over, and you're wrong. The last part of the service is to be sent out in mission. Uh, at, our, at our former church, at St. Mary's and St. Bartholomew's, there, there was a sign. I think it was a No, it was just Greg. Pastor Greg, every day, said, Remember, as you leave this place, you are entering your mission field. So the final sentence is, Let us go forth in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. And have a blessed week.